0: 2019, and the repeat program is Thursday in the morning at 6 o'clock on June 13th. And tonight's subject is, again, continuing with Gemini, twin mythologies. You know, twin mythologies abound throughout the globe because duality exists. Whether it's the solar sun and the lunar moon, every day we have dusk and dawn. Twice a year we have equinoxes of even light that immediately change, and then we have their solstice of extreme light. We experience it personally. Love, hate, fear, courage, truth, dishonesty, creative and destruction. Nature itself with high tides and low tides. So this manifestation it exists through the spirit and the physical energies connected to our heart and mind. So these complicated yet very simple forces are the essential essences worldwide, not worldwide, <laughs> world, world round <laughs> that confound us mortal minds. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. To elaborate on this further, we will during the conversation tonight. I have a repeat guest, Wendy Wyrot, and she is here in Bellevue, Washington. And her website is Wyrot. That's W Y W R O T dot com. Or Loving Home Feng Shui. Wendy's an astrologer and archetypal, spiritual, shamanic, and traditional. She consults locally and internationally. She teaches and she studies mythology, Kabbalah, hermetic philosophy, ancient history, and she travels to many sacred sites. She actually experiences firsthand what we want to contemplate. Her interests spanning, and not just interests, but certifications in feng shui, reiki, hypnotherapy. She's an ordained minister, Certified Spiritual Healer and Counselor, Shamanic Ancestral Healer, Energetic Healing. And in addition, Chinese Five Element Face Reading. There's actually a school here that one can go to that if one's interested in being a participant of a student so that students can read your face, again, go to her website, and you can find that at talkcosmos.com. We have all the guests with the schedules and their bios and locations. I personally didn't, was most astounded. It related strongly to my astrological chart, so it's a comparative and very fascinating study. And on top of all that, Wendy also does custom flower essence blends. So tonight, we are focusing on astrology and the twin mythologies. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Sue. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's always a pleasure, and I'm so glad you came up with this topic. It's one of my favorites mm-hmm. of all, and I suppose starting off with Castor, the mortal, and Pollux, his twin brother. And, you know, we were both at NORWAC, which is Northwest Astrology Conference, and I mention that for those outside of Seattle area. It's every Memorial Day, hosted by Lauren Albandian, for 35 years now. It's a fascinating, wonderful, either three- to five-day event, depending on how you do it, and I heard Jason Hawley of Santa Fe, who's a psychologist and fascinating astrologer who weaves in these marvelous mythologies, because there aren't too many. Lynn Bell does, who lives in Paris, and Jason does, and then I met a woman. Well, there's others that are interested in asteroids and and the Plutonians, like Alan mm-hmm. Clay and on and on. But there's still a select few. So and Demetra George. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you, and Demetra. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. So at in any rate, what he brought out, which I think was fascinating, because in that mythology, there's two sets of twins. There's the male ones that are Castor, the mortal, and Pollux, the immortal, who are undifferentiated, was the word he used. In other words, we link them... So connected at all times. It was only through Castor's inevitable death that, of course, is the the crowning glory of the story because from that they still are united through alternating experiences between spirit and matter, you know, the underworld. But the other sisters were Helen of Troy, the great immortal, and her sister, Clemestra, C L Y M E N S T R A, who is always differentiated. They're never together, which is a whole nother series. So these, because again and again, as I was reading this wonderful subject to try to learn a little bit more of this fascination, I too share with you that it's that they can be females, they can be twin uh, brothers. Whichever, it can be complementary or, or else evil forces, one versus evil versus good. Mm-hmm. But going back to the Gemini one, not to elaborate so much on Helen and Clemestra, but just to realize that I think it's interesting that one set is always united as a unit, and the others are totally separated
1: living in totally different cities very far from one another the two women yes. yes
0: with no connection ever that one had the other and the two brothers
1: were very very <gasps> close and, and always
0: together The one thought though was that Clemestra her downfall through the whole tragic part was first of all Helen is 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 given credit for having started whether it's good or bad uh-huh. starting the <laughs> Trojan War which mythology and for that whole study really was a dividing point as jason says the ending of the hero world and that's another factor to consider at some other point but the the reality is is that this war was started and it was it that has its own involvement but clemestra's husband wanted to go to troy and be part of
1: this agamemnon Okay, That's her husband.
0: And Mm -hmm. he couldn't get there because the winds weren't blowing. Although, as usual, there's always a price to pay if you want something. And that was he'd have to sacrifice his daughter, which he and his unfortunately limited brain would do and killed his daughter. And it was a trick because um,
1: they told that she was going to be married to Achilles. So she showed up in her bridal clothing. Oh. So sad. And then, yeah, her own father sacrificed her to the goddess Artemis to make the winds work for the ships to sail to Troy.
0: Yes. So in the long run, Clemestra, because always with these stories, there's these connections that go further. Mm-hmm. But with Clemestra, she ends up being, being vengeful, having a lover because it was such a long war. And besides, he was a no-good Nick. no good nick that's something my grandmother would always say I love that (laughs) yep no good nick and so Mm -hmm. um, uh, it is a fascinating contemplation because somehow we harbor these aspects of choices you know when you consider that's what the stories represent in there yeah choices business it all comes down to choices right
1: sue yes in everything about our lives
0: alignment yes yeah because here one could have just realized that he didn't have to go to troy right or figure a different way to get there yeah or a
1: different way to please artemis
0: that's true because the gods, you know, when you consider that what do these gods represent, they represent that part of us that wants to connect with spirit, mm-hmm. just like Castor and Pollux needing to unite in some fashion. Although, another aspect to follow through on that talk that really made a lot of sense to me was that it was that in the twin factor, they're two separate entities, regardless. It's not just one, it's not like the opposite of the horse and that's not quite opposite where the horse and the man the centaur are one being it's actually mm-hmm. two different individuals and so even though they're united all the time in their experiences they're still all at that theme of alternating and finding your twin is such a strong dynamic you know of completion and yet also of In some way, you could say differentiation, right?
1: Yes, yes. And it's interesting, the stories that um, Castor and Pollux were so close, such good buddies, went everywhere together, went on the Argos to do the Golden Fleece um, caper, (laughs) (laughs) and um, had all these adventures together. And then when, um, when Castor ended up dying, Pollux was just devastated. And so, in in like you were talking about in in one version of the story, he appeals to his father Zeus, and Zeus allows Castor to have eternal life as well, but they have to take turns each day, right, living and not living. And it, I I don't know if you've probably heard this other story, Sue, about Chiron.
0: I do uh, um, lead on. Yes.
1: So lead. there's one story where Chiron, the very wise. Healer and teacher who taught many of the heroes, such as Achilles and um, just about everybody, Asclepius, Jason, the list goes on and on.
0: And he was a centaur. Yeah, he
1: was a centaur. And he was the wisest of the centaurs. And Chiron um, had been wounded. Some say he was wounded. Achilles' heel. Yeah. Some, some say he was wounded by a scratch from a poisoned arrow. Anyway, Chiron was in constant pain, and he is the archetype of the wounded healer who, even though he's in pain, he helps others no matter what. Um, so Chiron was immortal, and so the story in one of the stories about Castor and Pollux, Chiron gave his immortality to Castor so that the twins could be together forever, because Chiron wanted to be leave his physical body and be out of pain and just die. And see, he gave that gift of immortality to Castor. So how interesting that that's one of the versions of the story.
0: It is uh, because frequently I've also read that Chiron exchanged it with Prometheus, who oh, okay. had given his... Well, he had not given, he stole the fire, actually yes. stole the fire back to give to humans. Mm-hmm. And therefore he was, and it was, why was he being mistreated? Because his liver was being pecked out every day by an eagle. Mm-hmm. Was that in this sense of awe that that this spiritual being of, of life needs to be remembered through the awe of, of life and the spiritual? essence and connection that we have not just taken for granted absolutely so it so that's interesting i hadn't heard about but uh, so that's a possibility too regardless they did get you remain united yes whether or not because there's the the variations throughout time that were really hand through mouth or mouth through you know oral Mm -hmm. history The fact is, it's the constellation. Half the year is visible, and half the year is not. Oh, yes! It again accentuates that idea that there's the underworld, and yet, and to to experience the spirit is not the physical. So where is it? It's part of the death. It's part of the sky. Mm -hmm. It's it's what we we can't access. So I think in their minds, this is how they convey these ideas, and for our minds, is is we're sharing it's such a vital part to to access that we're not just the atoms that are running around in our body there's this mysterious force that connects people that the
1: spirit the soul maybe the anima mundi the world soul connecting all of us together yes these great mysteries that um We'll never get to the bottom of, I hope that after I die and I get my life review, some <laughs> there'll be some explaining to do. And I'm hoping they'll explain to me kind of what's going on. Or could it be that once we're on the other side, we're in our wiser self anyway and we already know and understand
0: why things are the way they are? Well... Many questions and many reasons to keep looking. And Mm -hmm. perhaps some mythology here can give a little indication that because there are riddles. And in fact, of the many twins, which I'm sure you have a host of things I see to to comment on. But I'll just mention that as I was researching some of my, my books, because the Native Indians also, and there are the two twins down in the Mayan culture and and many, and there's some down in Brazil. I mean, it repeats and repeats. It's hardly just the Greek Mm -hmm. because, again, of the duality that exists in our world, just the very essence of it. But one of the things that it was mentioning is that in the very beginning, as far as the Indian legends, that that animals and humans spoke the same language. Oh, isn't that lovely? So when we speak of our passing or whatever, I think that language is... There, there is symbol symbolism, and there is a depth of comprehension that of perceiving things. Is that through t- living, we even recognize more and more. So how we perceive things isn't always just as we might see it on the surface, and that's really what these stories share. Mm-hmm. But it was, and, and just to co- conclude, that was that unfortunately, uh, humans chose to enslave and ask the animals to do the things that they naturally were doing like give them food but but force them to do that and then robbed the animals of their of their of their winter stores so that eventually the animals said no we're not talking your language anymore oh wow so it, it it's interesting but they haven't even a word for animals or people the word was the phrases mean the beings that are world over, all living, a description encompassing humans as well as animals and even rocks, which, oh, I I, love that. again, yes, all the animation because it's just stilled motion. It isn't dead motion, which goes back to the idea that Gaia could even be of living. Well, when it comes to, and I didn't want to go on, I want to hear what you have here, uh, but uh, since I brought up the Mayans, Oh yes, two. tell us. Well, of those two twins, again it seems to replicate some of the ideas earlier of that they were born through a mental condition that oh. the mother was talking to their their father was killed by these the baddies which happened to be the death gods. But the difference was is that Eventually, through and they were mischievous. These two, they did oh, a yeah. lot of trickery, you know. Which, in some ways, is how do you find your strength? It's through choosing somebody's weaknesses, their blind spots. Oh, which yeah. Which is one way of looking at trickery, maybe. What are these twins called? Oh, their they their fancy names. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're they're. Oh, that's okay. And yeah. I have it down. It was the one page that didn't print, but I'll pull it up as I because uh-huh. I have it on my laptop here. But the the point was is that. Through all, they they eventually win by a game, and it was a game that has to do with a ball. Oh.
1: And a lot of
0: the, in the uh, southwest, like in Arizona, there's, uh, I, I've seen big circles uh, mm-hmm. where the ancients would, or the, they're no longer, it was mm-hmm. people left there mysteriously somewhere around I'm not sure when, but it was early on, like before I, I... don't know if it was before the Europeans came or not. But at any rate, but they were games, where they'd have games. And down in Mexico, too, and there's this ball. I think they use it with their feet back and forth. You've seen it? Oh, possibly. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that they ended up in this game killing the deaf people, because progressively these twins became able to defy death. Oh, okay. And I think really what it comes down to is this, whether it's a sense of loss or whether the sense of connecting on another essence of looking at immortality in the sense of spiritual connection, the spirituality of the self that makes so that things like revenge like Clemesta, isn't a choice, that that somehow the life and death process goes on. Anyway, their names were Huana, okay, H-U-N-A, Huna, uh-huh. Poo, Pu, P-U, uh-huh. and K. Which is Z B A L A N Q U E. Not easy to pronounce. Fascinating. <laughs> Are they t- two boys, two yeah, girls? Two boys. Two, two boys. boys. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. But this whole, and then from that is the jaguar son and the jaguar deer. Ooh. So all of the jaguar, of course, is an enormous totem for everything from Mexico down through um, Central America. I don't know about, uh, I know Central America, too. And Mm -hmm. then the deer is also for a lot of the Native Indians all throughout Latin America and through Southwest America. But that's not with the twins right now, so we won't. But it is fascinating. So, but it was this idea of death, once again, that the twins exemplified. That their capacity to, I don't know about cheating death, but transforming it or transcending it, maybe. Tra- yes, beautiful. Thank you, Wendy. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. So l-
1: I'm just like Castor and Pollux. Yes. Well, that's wonderful. Okay. I love seeing these same um, themes re- reflected over and over again from in different countries.
0: In some of yours, what were you thinking? Like, what were, oh products? gosh, well. One
1: of the things I'd like to share is that in and I don't know if you covered this in your other Gemini radio shows, so. but um, the in in Egyptian times, the symbol of Gemini was a pair of a pair of a woman and a man twi- twins holding hands.
0: Oh, now would that be Nut? And I, I did read about that. that oh, was fascinating. Uh uh-huh. um, It there's two it, that were. Called yes, Nut and Geb the Earth. Okay,
1: yes, yeah, Geb the sky and Geb the Earth God,
0: Mm -hmm. which is just the opposite of what the Greeks often put because their twins Apollo and Artemis, where Apollo the sun, yes, Mm -hmm. and Artemis is the hunter, the moon, the moon, the hunter. So, but here Net Nut, if I'm saying her name Mm -hmm. right, was. Uh, a barrier, you know, protecting the earth, you know, a body of sky and touching the four corners, mm-hmm. and 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 separating chaos and making order. That was one just little thing Ooh, I, I, I just read about love that. it, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. that's another theme that is so important. When you know we live here in an organized world, well, it's supposed to be. <laughs> 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 we have calendars and, but really living just within the the sun and the moon that gets up and sets and the flooding rivers chaos would be and the instincts would always be at your door yeah in the
1: ancient times it was a lot scarier time because they didn't have the kind of technology we have now I mean It's starting to be a scary time here again with all the increased hurricane activity and storms. Unpredictable. Yeah, exactly. Unpredictable. And but yeah, in the ancient times, I mean, outside of your city was viewed as like an extremely scary place where chaos reigned and where anything could happen. Yes. And, you know.
0: So with this, now, did you have further to say about this, Egyptian or just the fact that it was a male and a female? I have more to say. Oh, good
1: sure um i would like to share that in the sanskrit tradition the um the gemini constellation also was a male and a female and it was called the lovers oh. and that might be why i don't remember if i'm right about this or not but sometimes i think the lovers tarot card i was just is of gemini that. which i always wondered why if i'm remembering correctly yes
0: i've Uh, That rings a bell Mm -hmm. often because it is that connection. And, you know, we in our world think of lovers on one terms, Mm -hmm. but really thinking of love, and we have so few words, we have amorous and affection and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but love as a capacity of depth is inextricable with life, you know, often on esoteric, which means hidden, or those in this world it is where love is the factor that unites everything and that yes exactly like
1: in many like in very primal astrology they say that eros the love is what created everything and unites everything
0: yes and going back like with there's been a few talks i'm doing three all next week will be the Uh next one on the kabbalah letters Ooh, and interestingly for aries and Taurus, especially Taurus, it brought that because Vav, I mean, it's such a a, a a step-by-step logical way, if you really just dis- when it's deciphered, mm-hmm. that it connects the great unknown of everything to the physical. Ooh. You know, through this interaction which is constant, this this the the giving and receiving part Ooh. yes which is love you know and and it's sexual and it's it's fertile and it's 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 not to be divided away from that oh absolutely and i would
1: love to share that um so some of the time romans viewed the two the t- gemini twins as castor and pollux but sometimes they viewed them as apollo and Ar- and diana artemis the sun and sun god and moon goddess And then um, the Babylonians named them Mastabagalgal, which meant twins of indefinite gender.
0: Oh, isn't
1: that interesting? And uh, the Persians and Greeks just called them twins. And so some people believe that male twin heroic stories, like the stories of Castor and Pollux, are um, patriarchal revisions of earlier stories in which um the pair was and, androgynous or there was a woman and a man or a girl and a boy and so in the older more uh pre patriarchal myths
0: sometimes the god and goddess were twins again this goes back to very very ancient thoughts because we really adap- have adapted what the greeks told mm-hmm. the romans the romans exactly just took that shifted a few names and then that's what we we, we realized but mm-hmm. there was this legacy ahead of that oh, rich legacy. Uh, yes. yes and some of it is with the Babylonians and the Egyptians and the Hebrew, you know, mm-hmm. which has goes into the Kabbalah yeah because there's many forms of, of text. and the Sufi well that was later probably.
1: And the Haranian Sabians, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly.
0: And also the Chaldeans. Oh, boy. Well, we will return in just a moment. We're going to remember these. And this is with Wendy Wyrot and Sue Roseminahan, June 8, Twin Mythologies on KKNW, Talk Cosmos. take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the period of Gemini. By leaving a cycle based on physical form integrated through spirit, the energy of Gemini connects spirit with matter focused on communicating and defining the external. Gemini is a mutable air sign signifying flexibility. Gemini duly focuses upon teaching and learning in order to synthesize the world one lives within.
1: This is Dawn Glinsky from 6 O'Clock Astrology, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Hello again. We're back. This is Sue Rosemanahan, Talk Cosmos. You can find us at talkcosmos.com. And it's on 1150 KKNW. There's online or in Seattle on the radio and an app. And I'm speaking with Wendy Wyrot. That's W-Y-W-R-O-T dot com. In fact, if you look for her. And she's here in Bellevue. And we're talking about Gemini mythology. And we just brought up a host of ancient references from the Chal- Chaldean to the Babylonian and about the androgynous beginnings, really, of this whole energy. If, if this reminds me, if you look back, because this is the third third sign. Gemini is in the first quarter. There's 12 signs, and it goes Aries, Taurus, Gemini. And Aries is a spark. It's that life force, fire energy, directed outward, breaking, separating from the womb, from the whole
1: the seed Becoming. bursting
0: out, the the little
1: green shoot bursting out of the seed in the springtime. Yes, very Aries.
0: Yes, and then the spirit comes into the vessel, and forms that birth. But you know, we often kind of just lop those together. Okay, we've got one. Now we finished with that, and we're doing the next. But really, they're interacting all the time,
1: mm-hmm. like a progression.
0: Yes, like a a dynamic that's 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 igniting life. And and I'm thinking that you know. Taurus is to survive, to maintain that life that got started, that little seed that you brought up. Mm-hmm. And so in Gemini, again, it, it's sur- it's about survival. All of this is about, ideally, the, the continuation and, and more development. And they're interacting between, well, you know, it, things. there's an ending to my neighborhood, there's an ending to my life, but yet there's a re-beginning again. And I think that gets back to this, these ancient ideas that you've been looking at, and I have too. But, and I'd love to hear again of this androgynous idea of, because Ningishzida, which I was mentioning, the Sumerian, that's back in Babylonian, 5,500 years ago, plus right about that time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a, an early uh, god that had many of the, Gemini qualities, but also the messenger to the, because Mercury does, oh, you know, mm-hmm. is a messenger to, to Hades can go, mm-hmm. the one messenger that, the, and God that can go down to the dead mm-hmm. without being changed. And give, can
1: guide the souls of the dead.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or give messages and, and that. Yeah, so he had his caduceus, K- and that mm-hmm. was the original caduceus. I don't know if the original, but the earliest one that I've noted mm-hmm. in my own limitation which I progressively, who knows, I might discover more, but it was the tree of life, which is a branch from the tree of life, which Ooh. is mm-hmm. and the two serpents wrapped around it, the female and the male heads looking at each other.
1: What a beautiful image. And in um uh Hindu um medical uh, body body theory i don't know how to state it but those can represent the ida and the pingala which are um mm. light energy channels that come up on either side of the central channel and then one of them ends up in the eyes right eye one of them ends up in the left eye oh. and they um you can in medical astrology you can see like if someone's right eye is being bothered they usually said that um, it might be that the sun was, was having a problem, and if their left eyes being bothered, maybe there's a planet, afflict- transiting planet afflicting their moon. And I think the eyes are reversed for male and females so that when people gaze into each other's eyes as yeah. they're falling in love. But then there's some of us where our eyes are switched, and I think that's so fat. So maybe the, you know, instead of the right eye being the solar eye, the left eye is the moot, is the, the the solar eye. So it's just fun food for thought.
0: No, I've loved this because my f- grandfather was an artist. Um, and I only way I've known him is to look at some of his paintings and drawings. So I've always looked at the eyes. He did a lot of people. I mean, he was born in 1890 or something. So he was an artist during the 20s and 30s and wow. 40s and all. But the eyes are crucial for our soul, mm-hmm. that recognition. And I always knew that I thought just automatically one represented feminine or the other masculine, which would be solar lunar. Yes. But the fact that they can switch and they're opposite is very, I think, authentic. So That's yes. fascinating. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, and I would since we were talking about the Trojan War earlier, I would just like to share with everybody that there's a book called Why Homer Matters. And it's a really fun book to read, Um, uh, all about stories about all the different people that researched Troy, uh, including um, excavating Troy, including different people that translated the Iliad. And I just would like to highly Mm. recommend that book, Why Homer Matters.
0: I have written that down. (laughs) I have those books, and they're big. Uh A little help would be just very fine. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, were we going to talk about the androgyne? Yes, please. I'm waiting. Oh,
1: okay. (laughs) So in in many uh, primal, super, super ancient mythologies, the creator of a world was a primal androgyne, which was a combined male-female deity. It was sometimes represented as a male and a woman embracing which you can see reflected in the Hindu mythology with Shiva and Shakti statues embracing, creating the world. Um, sometimes it was a one being that had a, a female half on the left side and a male half on the right side. And uh, also in some mythologies, Hermes and Aphrodite were united in a, in a deity called Herm- Hermaphroditus. And in Jewish mystical tradition sometimes they viewed the original Jehovah as an androgyne with um, the male part being Yod, J-O-D, or Y-O-D, and then the female part being the pre-Hebraic name, which was Eve or Hava or Hawa, and those, those combined together to make the name Jehovah.
0: Well, they do, actually, from what I've... Yod and He... Because Uh there's four letters in that name, Mm -hmm. which actually people have conspired to to say Jehovah. But that's only because if you say those uh, consonants, it kind of sounds like that, I detect. It's not really because it was ever declared as such. Right. But there's four letters, but three that are only the same. Mm -hmm. And it's Yud, He, Vav, He. Yes. Because I I learned this with my work with um, Dana Bernbach, who will be next week. And... So the idea, I love that you brought it up again because I think this conceptual thought that the ho- if, if we live in a fragmented world, meaning that this egg burst or, whether we, or the patriarch think it was an explosion or if it was an egg bursting, both of which will let be, and the whole became many parts, what was the whole? The whole had to be both. The right. pole had to be male-female. Had to be united, yeah. right? And that's what the yud is. It's up above where it's just the, the all, the, the mm-hmm. absolute There's mm-hmm. part, you know, which these oh, yes. letters have these spiritual meanings, mm-hmm. and the hey is one of receiving, but when it's connected, then it gives the womb, and it, it presents the birth. It's all very, and that's just in a snapshot that's without a lot of extra depth but I'm supporting what you're saying. Oh, yes.
1: Isn't it interesting? Um, Sometimes Jewish Gnostics would uh, believe that Eve and Adam were androgynously combined. So she was not like just his rib born from his side. But long ago, Adam was united with Eve, like their bodies were together. And so there's a quote from, I believe, Joseph Campbell. When Eve was still in Adam death did not exist when she was separated from him death came into being if he again becomes complete and attains his former self self death will be no more a second adam would appear which would be called the hermaphrodite
0: you know it, i've read too along with that study that because words change there's a, a joke where everybody lays on the belly and, or, or it just, or not, maybe that's a different joke. But anyway, <laughs> where you do laughter and everybody laughs and eventually everybody's laughing. But on this one, you whisper a word. And by the time it goes around, you know, little kids do this, it's a totally different word. Telephone. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So here it's where in the ancient Aramaic, not, uh-huh. a, Oh, okay. The, text, the language that Jesus spoke, yes, Aramaic. Yes, back in the days of, of the of the birth of all of this, it meant side, not rib. Oh, isn't that fascinating? So it was one of the side. So Ooh, it goes I back to this twin thought of du- multiplicity and of 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 dualism and separation. Yes, uh-huh. the parts, and wow. in some ways that are might be differentiated or not. But here, because it takes two to tango, you might say, yes. to replicate, at least in the world that we live in, <laughs> without too much uh, artificial intelligence, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we still need the male and the female, of whether it's a bird or whether it's a flower.
1: Right. We need yin and yang together. Yeah. And they're constantly changing into one another and cooperating and bu- building, creating, and destroying, although and we I, need
0: all of it. Although I have to discount myself because there are sea anemones that I think just separate. But we like really, hydras. You yeah, mean maybe parthogenesis? Maybe we don't really understand those too. i I'm still listening. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that you. That
1: just reminds mm-hmm. me that um, there's a snake that cre- uh, had some baby snakes just through parthogenesis. Like there were... There were only female snakes in this zoo, and there's a snake that recently gave birth to some snakes. I can't remember if it's a, might be oh. a boa, and I can't remember if she lays eggs or has live a, live snakes, can't remember. Without any
0: male. Right. Just suddenly.
1: Mm-hmm. A virgin birth from a snake. And you know what? That's a really good omen that the goddess might be coming back to our planet, because in the ancient times, the bird and the snake were very sacred to the goddess. So, yes. um, I mean... Even though there's the story of Adam and Eve and the snake in the garden, there's other ways of looking at it. Oh, absolutely. And
0: and mm -hmm. again, when it comes to the snake, it has a skin that it sheds. Mm -hmm. The serpent, the snake, the dragon, all of these symbols are representative of life itself. And, yes. and the metamorphosis that people go through. So it really is just like being scared of a spider jumping up, little Miss Muffet on top of the chair. I used to be mm-hmm. scared of spiders, but not any longer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to take force. You know, did you happen? I'm looking at some of my notes here mm-hmm. too, and, and please continue with what you have, but I'm in a moment, but about Romulus and Ramus.
1: Oh, now how fascinating is that? That is another pair that the Romans sometimes thought were in the constellation Gemini, the oh. founders of Rome, and they were foster
0: sons of a she wolf. Well, it is, according to the story, I was looking a little history because it is fascinating. Aeneas, who I mm-hmm. think comes from Troy. Yes. And Over he was the son Italy. of Venus. Ah, and he. It, it, long story short, before the twins were born, uh, their mother uh, was forced to become, or, or to become a Vestal virgin, which mm-hmm. at that time, it, at the first time, the Vestal virgins were. they were to protect this sacred flame, which is representative, too, of life. Mm -hmm. But at one time, they actually, on a very pure sense, would help alleviate the warrior's uh, Mm -hmm. pain and agony through consummating love. But by the time the Romans got a hold of it, it was uh, strictly just nothing to do with that and the point is is that if they had any relationship at all they were killed mm-hmm. now they weren't property because they weren't married so there were some benefits well it's hard to, but to look at the whole picture
1: they but had more rights than the average woman in exactly Rome. yes
0: so this woman rea silvia the um had these twins because for various reasons. Either Hermes or somebody came and impregnated her or else she was raped. We don't know. But the point was is that, or maybe Mars. Yeah, so could be. they threw the twins off to sea because the brother is involved with the story. But he didn't want to have blood on his hands. It's amazing what somehow the the consensus of the people affect some of these stories the way they think because Uh he didn't do it because it was the wrong thing to do he was doing it because others would see him as such a baddie Uh no good nick (laughs) 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 so at any rate and that's where the wolves come and suckle them and there have been feral children that have been documented but it also then this old couple come and find the the little ones so i kind of wonder if maybe i've always wondered because the wolf also has quite a legacy of, of uh, you know, as a totem. And mm-hmm. it, it is also where, you know, it, wh- what is the story actually telling us? They're telling us that uh, the appetite for freedom, expression of strong instincts, mm-hmm. and or feeling threatened. So the best side of it is they have strong instincts. The worst side is that, that they have fear Of being threatened which is storyline goes over and over again Mm -hmm. i mean okay so that they were adopted by this old couple and then they take off and uh, one gets captured by that same king and the king ends up getting killed and then they go and they find rome but then they're jealous one brother's Mm -hmm. jealous of the other and so one gets killed Mm -hmm. and then the one that Leads them on, continues the war and war. And then eventually the Senate gets jealous of, tired of his shenanigans and he dies. Oh, wow. But it isn't a peaceful by any means. But again, it seems to be like the wolf. Sharp intelligence, deep connection with your instincts, wanting freedom. They wanted their own city. And expresses those instincts, but also feeling threatened. Oh, yes that
1: that um clash and jealousy yeah. between the twins
0: so in some ways I don't know if there's any reconciliation that I've seen with those two twins and it's never determined whether they're really myth or real there's you know again like the language of the animals it gets throughout time so closely United but it seems like we're living somewhat a legacy of this this whole divorce of that happened since the Grecian times where the instinct got Put aside in favor of the intellect, which had its purpose, but now we're in a time of integrating. And as you had said, this male female force that is essentially the real spirit, to connect to it to such a way of realizing that it doesn't have to be so divided as we're thinking, okay, that's just Aries and this is just Taurus. And now we're just, we can understand these parts, but like food, we're going to put them together and cook up a sauce. Yes. (laughs) Chow down.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Cooperation between the yin and yang and Hopefully, more and more men are respecting women, and hope and more and more women are speaking up and coming into and their own. And respecting men, <laughs> yeah. And you know, we hope they they we we hope everyone can respect everyone because the patriarchy disempowers men and women. Yes. The patriarchy tells little boys it's not okay to cry. Yes. And and uh, you know, uh, you have to be tough, and uh, you know, all that stuff is very painful for little boys to grow up that way. So, I have a lot of compassion for 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 little boys and little girls and hopefully as you know hopefully as we evolve we're we're honoring our our intuitive side more and more and um respecting and and seeing that there is a good place for the intellect and the intuition
0: i agree so if you have we still have a few minutes here and i'd be glad to hear some other possible references or researches that you may have
1: Oh, one of the things I noticed, um, sent, uh, read in one of my mythology books, is the fact that um, one of the reasons we have these myths about uh, human and divine twins is that um, since twins weren't common, they were there was a the consideration that they were uncanny. They were it, people felt superstitious about twins because it was so unusual, mm. and sometimes they were viewed as a ill omened. And other times they were viewed as fortunate. And so often ancient peoples would assume that one of the twins was a child of divine origin, which happened not only with Castor and Pollux and Helen and Clytemestra, but also with Hercules and Iphicles. Hercules had a mortal brother. I didn't know this. I didn't either until I was reading up on it. And um, what else about twins? Oh, I love... yes.
0: Did it go into anything about... It, it sort of brings a bell about. Uh, was this, in a sense, do you think, to make Hercules of his divinity in separation, like that differentiation idea, that it, c- it could uh-huh. be? Because I know, come to think of it, in the ancients, when consider the Kabbalah essence, you it's unable to define what the 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 God essence is. Just use that word uh-huh. liberally here, but one can say what it isn't. Right. So possibly having a twin, one could say, well, this person is divine. Mm-hmm. That one is not. In other words, it is just kind of a contrast. Oh, it could be. And um, the, a
1: lot of the Hercules myths are very patriarchal. And so the, the main myth I was able to find about Hercules and Iphicles is that when they were little, two snakes came <gasps> oh, to, the, to their cradle And Iphicles screamed in terror, but Hercules took a snake in each hand and and crushed and killed them as a baby. Yes, famous. famous.
0: And really, it shows the power of integration, which I Mm -hmm. think essentially is always the message, integrating these forces of whether it's our emotions and our body or whether it's our spirit and our matter, Mm -hmm. because there's strength to be shared. And by fearing this unknown, the chaos or the what we don't understand is just a, a it needs the other strength. Mm-hmm. I, I'm eager, but I'll just mention we have a few a moment here to say that n- next week, on the 15th, I'll be concluding the Gemini archetype and Dana Bernbach will return for a third time. We'll pause after that. So it'll be the end of a little mini-series that we have. And it'll be on the Kabbalah letter Zayin, Z-A-Y-I-N. I I think it's the seventh letter. But it refers to motion, which, of course, relates to Gemini. And we will divulge more how that is. You can also find archives or the, the talks on Podcast One. It's a new feature through... 1150 KKNW, the radio AM talk station that this program is viewed through. And it's really exciting. And you can go to talkcosmos.com just to check out the whole schedule. You can find Wendy there at wywrot.com. Or if you can't remember that and don't have anything to write it down, just go to TalkCosmos.com and click on any of the uh, menu items or the the actual events. They all pop up with pictures and all kinds of goodies. So Wendy and I have a few minutes. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, well I I saw I found another few famous twins. Oh good. Um in Celtic mythology. <gasps> mm-hmm. The there's a goddess named Arian Road, and I believe it means silver wheel. She means it means the silver wheel of the sky, the Milky Way. And mm-hmm. she had twins that were dark and light. Uh, Dylan was the dark twin and Luch was the,
0: the light twin. And that's Oh, that ties it all together, doesn't it? Mhm. Arianrod. Yes. I've I've heard of this goddess quite a bit. And the Celts. You know, the Celtic when one goes to research, really covered Europe for a long, long time. Oh my gosh, there were so many more places than people
1: realize. Yes, all the way down to Italy. Yes, Italy, um, Germany, uh,
0: the Baltics, I think, yes, and
1: Ukraine, just all over, a huge, huge influence, I think, Um, yeah, very. It was
0: only when the Romans came and they pushed them all up, there was all mm-hmm. that time that now we think of it really up around the Ireland and and the well Welsh and all of that I, you know yes. more mm-hmm. but yes yeah, so when you speak of these it really it's like a chicken and egg which is first mm-hmm. it is so ancient so i love Absolutely. that light and dark that seems very primitive uh, very essential and the um in Zoroastrian, Ahura
1: Mazda and Ahriman were twins and they were God and the devil, the good force and the evil force. In American Indians said the white Manitou or the Lord of Life was twins with the black Manitou, or Lord of, Manitou or Lord of Death. They were born simultaneously from the womb of the mother goddess called the old woman who never dies considered the real ruler of gods and men.
0: It goes back and forth, doesn't it, as Mm -hmm. far as the the creation idea of of the feminine and the masculine and then the unity of the both of them. And Mm -hmm. there's so many different connections. And really, Gemini is connections. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's actually the sextile, too, in astrology. 60 degrees, it connects things back and forth. Wendy, it has been absolutely fabulous, you're such a treat. This is Talk Cosmos with Wendy Riot and Sue Rose Minahan. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. Well, we will visit again. <laughs> Thank Go you, ahead. everybody.